Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder. Today I'm talking to Andrew McIntosh. He is a first-generation entrepreneur. Andrew leads a community of people just like himself, and in fact, myself too. I'm also a first-generation entrepreneur, and it's very likely that you are one too. Andrew and I talk about dealing with families that don't understand why we do what we do, finding the people just like ourselves, and how we can build profitable communities to help our peers that really need help. And before we get to our conversation, let me introduce the sponsor of this episode. Now imagine this. You're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers, and is generating consistent MRR. The problem is you're not growing for whatever reason, like a focus, lack of skill, or just plain lack of interest, and you feel stuck in your business. What should you do? Well, the story that I would love to hear right now is that you buckled down and somehow reignited the fire in yourself, you got past yourself and the cliches, and you started working on the business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience and move out of your comfort zone and do sales and marketing and all the stuff we don't like to do. And in six months, you've tripled your revenue. Wouldn't it be a cool story? But the reality is not that simple. Situations may be different for every founder facing this particular crossroad, but too many times the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the business becomes less valuable or even worse, worthless. If you find yourself here or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on acquire.com. Capitalizing on the value of your time is the smart move. Acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to acquire.com and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. All right, here is Andrew McIntosh. So what's the most common issue that first-generation entrepreneurs run into, that founders who come from entrepreneurial backgrounds, families that have an entrepreneurial background, rarely ever experience? What have you found? Well, for me, this all starts back uh, in 2006 when I started my business. I got connected with this other guy who was a few years younger than me, and it turns out he was a second-gen entrepreneur. I'm a first-gen. And it really kind of made it obvious the differences between all the all the things that he had. And I, let me preface this by saying, I'm not going to mention this person by name, but he was undoubtedly a hard worker. He was undoubtedly smart, but he had all these advantages that I didn't have. So what I mean by that is every time I talked to this guy, I would see him uh, probably every month or two. And in 2006, he was building websites for a living. And if you'll recall, in 2007 is when the iPhone came out, right? So he pivots to, I don't do websites anymore. Now I do, I do apps. And every time I see him, he's on to some other completely different, you know, wildly different app idea. And it would never, whatever he had would never last more than a month or two. And I was always like, man, you, you need to sit down and just focus. Just stick with something. Just stick with one thing and do it really well. Well, then one day this guy, he like falls off the face of the earth. Like it doesn't respond to calls or texts or anything. I don't know what's happened to him. And then I find out through the grapevine, he's already sold his business for seven figures. Uh, this is in 2008, probably. Um, and I, I was like, what, what gives how, I, you know, at this point I'm three years into my bootstrapped business. I'm an IT guy by trade, so I'm just fixing people's computers. But a few years into my business, I'm still doing this full time and then cleaning offices with my wife after hours. Like we're just barely scraping by. He's already sold his business. He's like, 
26 years old and, and early retirement. And I'm like, what gives? So come to find out after the fact, his dad was the CEO of a pretty sizable company here in town. And his dad was floating him financially. He was covering his apartment and all of his personal expenses. So this guy actually had, it's like he had 50 darts in his hand and he could just keep throwing them until he hit a bullseye. Whereas I'm standing over here going, I got one dart, man. I got one shot at this, you know? And so on reflecting on that now, just kind of looking back, it's like, again, not trying to minimize what he's doing. Because if he wasn't smart and hardworking, like this never would have taken off, right? But he was able to get connections. His dad was able to pull some strings, help him find his first few clients. Here's my accountant. Here's my lawyer. Here's how you set up an LLC. Here's how you market yourself. Here's how you sell. Here's the education you need to be able to develop apps. Here's all these things, none of which did I have when I started my business, right? So for me, being the first in my family to start a business, my parents were like super proud like and supportive, which was awesome. I'm very, very grateful for that. But in terms of mentorship, support, advice, connections, financial backing, I had none of that whatsoever. So in the long term, I think it was actually a good thing for me because it's kind of that bootstrapper mentality. You know, it's not just the financial aspect of it, but it's also learning by doing, by making a bunch of mistakes. Uh, you know, I kind of learned everything the hard way. It's the school of hard knocks, right? Uh, but I couldn't help but look back on it. Now that I've I've sold that business all these years later, which I know we'll we'll probably get into. But it's like, man, if I had had access to some of those types of connections, my my first few years in business probably would have gone a whole lot smoother and been a lot less painful and could have changed the trajectory even even better than what it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That 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 really rings a bell. Like with me, that is my experience too. Like my my family was they're hard workers, right? Like people work hard, they try to make make a living, but they did not have any knowledge outside of their domain of you know work that they were in. So when I when I tried to start things that were outside of that, I'm glad. I, th I think I'm glad they were kind of supportive <laughs> to begin right, with, right? right? Because that that I want to talk about this too, because that's something a lot of people struggle with. Like they have no support in addition to having no mentorship, no guidance, and no actually like actual help, like actual initial funda fundamental and foundational knowledge that might travel in there from from their family. They don't have access to any of this. I at least had a supportive family. In a way, and I, I kind of want to talk about this. I, I think mentorship and guidance, particularly, they are a, a must-have for for entrepreneurs. Like they, they, we definitely need this. And at some point in our life, hopefully, we find it somewhere. A lot of people have the advantage of having it with their parents, which is great because it kind of permeates your whole education, right? It's not just you you turn like 21 years old or something and then somebody comes in and, and gives you kind of the, the pamphlets that you need to read and now you know everything. It's been instilled in you if you have parents and, and a family that has this kind of approach to life. But if you don't, at least... Um, having, having alternative groups of people that can bring this into your life as early as possible, that would be great. Right? <laughs> At least uh, that's, that's what I want entrepreneurs to see. So yeah. I, I do want to talk about, um, the, the actual support network too, right? Because the mentorship guidance, that's, that's kind of intellectual, but there is a, an underlying, feeling for for me that i have only recently in the last couple of years developed that i feel surrounded by supportive people 
because I didn't really have that before. In my in short ex- excursion into my family story, like I said, everybody is kind of hardworking and working for the government or working for a private enterprise somewhere, but in a paid position just really as an employee. So when, when it came to just understanding risk, financial risk, or even understanding money, understanding like how money has this cumulative effect. If you, if you invest it, it becomes bigger instead of if you just save it and never touch it, right? There, there's, there are these narratives, these stories that we have in our lives where our families are kind of telling us a, a thing that worked for them. But in the end, we need a different story. So. How how does um, how does how does kind of support network? How can you build this if you don't have that in your family? What what are your suggestions when you need that support network but you can't really source it from your relatives? Well, it's interesting. I'm finding that there's kind of two camps when it comes to your family and your support network as a first gen entrepreneur. Either one, your your parents are like mine or yours, where they're supportive of what you do. But there's a danger in that because uh, in some cases, they're they think you hung the moon. They think you're just fantastic, right? They love you. You're you're their child, and they think you can you can do anything. But then they fail to point out to you the pitfalls or the mistakes you're about to make or the things that you're doing wrong because they don't know any better, right? So. They give you this false sense of, you know, confidence, perhaps, as you're going into this. Or it's the other camp where they're overly critical of you. And they they know what your shortcomings are. And they think that you're not cut out for this. And they'll they'll make comments like, are you sure this is, you know, this business is really going to work out for you? Like, maybe you should just go back to a day job. And that is super discouraging for people. And so... For me, when I think about a support network, you know, what I'm already witnessing happening in this this community that I've I've started, which is still in its infancy, frankly, frankly. But, you know, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome syndrome, right? And we see it openly discussed on on social media and things like that. It's it's super, super common thing. But once you kind of rub shoulders with your peers and you know that they have it too. But then you see what they're able to accomplish in their business. There's kind of this sense of like, okay, yes, maybe I'm the first in my family to start a business. I am the trailblazer here. But what I'm doing isn't actually uh, all that different from what he's doing or what from what she's doing. I'm also seeing where, you know, I talk about this a lot. Entrepreneurship is a roller coaster, man. I mean, it, it has higher highs and lower lows than just working at a normal day job. And when you're experiencing those lows, it's like everything feels like it's crashing down on you. You know, you start to question. It's not just imposter syndrome. It goes way, way beyond that. You're not even thinking, am I an imposter here? You're thinking, is this whole thing going to come crashing down? Is it even going to be able to pay the bills by this time next month? Um, And and all that self-doubt starts to creep in. And that can actually lead to depression, you know, where you find yourself struggling to get out of bed. So when you've when you're talking to people who aren't entrepreneurs, then all they're focused on is the fact that, yeah, you know, you're depressed and here's how we can, you know, try to fix that or whatever. But when you're talking to people who've been there, done that, have have experienced the same exact thing and have gotten through the other side of this thing, they can validate the way that you're feeling. They can tell you that it's going to be okay, and you actually believe them because, you know, they've experienced it for themselves. And it's like that can make or break 
your mental and emotional, you know, outlook on whether your entrepreneurial journey here is, is actually going to, you know, fall off a cliff or if it's actually got a, a happy ending on, on the other side. That just speaks right from my heart. Like I've experienced the exact same thing. It's understandable that people who have a nine to five job cannot relate to this really. Like they don't have this fundamental risk in anything they do that what they've been building for years might just come crashing down on them like immediately and forever. And we had this with our business too. It felt after a while that we had something really valuable that if we stopped working on it for a couple of days, would just implode. And that is a risk that most people who, who have a job don't have. Like they think about job security and how quickly can I find another job doing the thing that I'm already doing right today. But for a founder, the risk is so much more intense. And that is something people just really don't relate to, right? Unless they have done this themselves, which, as I said earlier, if you had that in your family, people will raise you with that understanding that certain things, you know, they, they will come, they will go. That's fine. You will find another way or invest your time wisely and then kind of divert diversify because they understand the concepts underneath these. But if your family doesn't have this, and I come from a family like this, they looked at me like, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just, right? That's always the argument, the default path. And I'm thinking about like Paul Millard's book here, um, The Pathless Path. I read that recently and he puts that so clearly. You have the default path that everybody takes where the outcome is guaranteed if you follow these steps. And for most people, that's their work life, that their whole work experience is that default thing. And for you to take another path, being kind of non-compliant, that often creates some kind of emotional distress that most people deal with by just kind of isolating you to the side. Like I've seen this in families. You have a lot of, um, when there's Thanksgiving dinner and people ask you what you're doing and you tell them, oh, I'm building a business. And they just look at you like, uh, I don't know. Should you really? Let's, let's just talk about something else, right? That kind of sucks. And not having this, that's frustrating. And it's, it's good to have community for that. I think it's necessary to even have the impetus and the motivation to keep working on your thing. And for that, you need people around you. Yeah. So when people come into my community, I ask them to create an introductory post, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I ask a series of questions, you know, to kind of help start the conversation as to what you do and why you do it, what industry you're in, who you serve, all these things. But at the end, I asked this, this last question. So as a first gen entrepreneur, have you always been crazy or is this a new development? Right? <laughs> because the truth is you, you have to be a little bit crazy to take on a venture like this, as if you're the first one in your family to do it, because you're right. The safe option is just, well, let me rephrase that. The quote unquote safe option is to just take a job, which this is a, a whole other conversation, I think is a totally false sense of security. I mean, just look at all the layoffs that are happening. You've got all your eggs in one basket. You could, things could be going great for 20 years and then you get a new boss and now everything changes overnight, right? Yeah, job security this is really a mirage at this it's point, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur, you know, I, in my IT business, before I sold it, I had 45 clients and my largest client represented 8% of my revenue. So on my worst day, I can lose 8%. Like the chances of me losing a hundred percent of my income overnight were virtually none, right? Uh, that's not true. If you work a day job, end of, end of tangent rant there. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, to be the, the first person in your family to go start a business, you, you're a little bit crazy because this is totally uncharted territory. It's scary. It's stressful. There's it's, it's fraught with risk. 
uh, or at least perceived risk. And you don't have a, a roadmap, you know, you don't have this like clearly laid out path to get from point A to point B. You're, you feel kind of blind as you're, as you're going through doing this. And that to me is kind of where just having that network of fellow crazy people like, Hey, you know, even if it's the blind leading the blind, at least we're all in this together, but that's not the case. It's, it's, you know, you've got your peers, you can bounce ideas off each other. They can tell you if what you're saying is a bad idea and they're not going to hold back the way that, you know, someone who is a, is a close family member might, or they might be supportive in a way that a close family might. Um, and just being able to help you validate your ideas, to know that you're not alone, uh, to to help you know kind of decipher the crazy, I think is just uh, it's just a huge huge benefit. I I guess that's that's very much true. Like particularly from the perspective of somebody who's not doing it, it definitely looks crazy from the inside. <laughs> it just looks ambitious. I think we would just reframe it as something positive, right? Right. Yeah. These are people who get it, who get you. You know, because I do think that if you're an entrepreneur, there there are a pretty decent group of people who are what I call accidental entrepreneurs. You know, they they were kind of had a change in circumstances, lost their jobs, whatever, and and sought out entrepreneurship as a as a backup plan. But then there are others who are kind of born this way. You know, they just they they enjoy building. They want to be able to build something for themselves. They don't like making other people <laughs> wealthy. They just want to build something that, that they own. Right. Um, and for those, I think it just, it does wonders for your mental and emotional state to be able to rub shoulders with like-minded individuals so that it just makes the whole thing a little easier. I, I assume you were trying to look for these people and you couldn't really find them. So you built your own community around that. Is that right? How did that come to be? What's the spark that that made you make that choice to build the first gen entrepreneurs community? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I started my business in 2006. I sold it 15 years later. Um, so I'm jealous of guys like you. Two years, that's impressive. <laughs> um, for me, I'm a slow learner. So 15 years was was my journey. Uh I actually hired a business coach, though, after I had been in business for about six or seven years is when I hired this guy. And it was awesome. Like, I finally had that. It, he was like a father figure in a business sense. And it did wonders for my mental and emotional state. Like, I could, I'd be freaking out about something and he would help me understand, like, this is not as big a deal as you think it is. And here's why. And here's what you need to do. Uh, he was like the psychiatrist. I could lay on the couch, so to speak, and just, you know, pour my heart out because you can't share these things with your employees. You'll freak them out. You can't share these things with your family because they won't understand. And it was just like, it was phenomenal. I would absolutely recommend that someone get a business coach, but here's the problem. I would have hired him much earlier in the process if I could have afforded it. He was like a thousand dollars a month and that was a decade ago. And that was his discounted rate because I was still small potatoes and he was trying to help me out. And I couldn't help but think, what if I had had access to that type of mentorship and support from day one? Like my first five years would have been completely different. And so after I sold my business and I was thinking about what I want to do next, I kept kind of reflecting on that. 
and reflecting on that story I told you earlier about that second gen entrepreneur. Um, I actually was describing myself as a first gen entrepreneur. I just kind of, after repeating the story enough times, I kind of coined that term and immediately had people send me DMs like, hey, I've never heard it put that way, but I'm a first gen entrepreneur. And then you instantly realize we all have these same emotions and these same struggles in common. And so my thought was, man, if I can do something that gets people that mentorship and advice and support to help you just keep your sanity the way I got with my coach, but do it in a way that's accessible for people who, you know, inside their first five years, I would have jumped at that opportunity if I had had it. So that's kind of how I came up with the idea. That makes a lot of sense. Like this just yet another way of an entrepreneur finding a lack somewhere, just filling mm -hmm. it with a product or with a thing, right? A, yep. a solution to a problem. I love this. And I love the, the coach thing always. Um, it blows my mind to, to just only have learned about this over the last couple of years. Like I've, I'm like almost 40 now and most of my life. I thought I could do it all or I had to do it all. I had to be able to do it all, deal with it all, just all by myself. And nobody should be, need to help me. Otherwise, it wasn't my accomplishment, which is obviously bizarre. So thinking about coaching or therapy, I kind of feel that coach of yours is both therapist and coach at the same time. That should be way more normalized. And it, there should be also more accessible ways like the one that you're providing for people to get at least a glimpse of this. Just even the presence of it, knowing that it exists, probably changes your mind in a certain way. So I love this. How are you building this kind of uh, coaching, guide, guiding or guidance mentorship into your community? How are people helping each other there? So uh, that's a great question because this thing, uh, I, I like to tell people that I am very much building the airplane while flying the airplane here, um, which the irony is not lost on me that, um, you know, here, here I am talking about entrepreneurship, the first in your family to do it. And I am once again, figuring this out as I go. So uh, I guess it is what it is. That's just who I am. But uh, this community uh, is still, like I said, in its early stages, but what we're doing right now uh, primarily revolves around holding weekly events. Uh, and we just do it right there on Zoom. We've got people throughout the US, London, Israel, uh, New Zealand, uh, a person in the Philippines. It's basically the English speaking world is is kind of the, the limit right now. And so with these weekly events, what I'm doing is trying to figure out the needs of the members. So uh, maybe you you feel like what you need more than anything is accountability. Well, we've got a format just for that, where we can kind of check in weekly and keep each other held accountable in a way that our, our friends and family wouldn't. Uh, maybe what you need is to generate more business and to do leads. Well, I'm working on a format for that uh, to help you do that. Maybe it's just strictly social hour, man. Sometimes a place to just show up and just kind of vent and tell people what's going on in your business a little bit. Every time you facilitate conversations like this, magic happens. It just kind of happens all on its own. And it's really cool to see because uh, as much as I would like to take credit for it, it's, it's, it's really about getting people in a room, kind of setting the stage for here's what we're here to talk about. And then you watch as connections are made, uh, as people unearth these new opportunities or share these tips and tricks that they've picked up along the way. And we had one yesterday uh, that was just like, this thing that had been bothering one of the members of the community for months now 
and we just teed it up and and one of the fellow members like well have you ever thought about doing it this way and he was like oh my goodness <laughs> you know what i mean yeah um and so it really revolves around those those uh weekly kind of live events i think that that's where that sense of community really starts to to you know get fostered uh those connections are made we also have some additional spaces where people can post questions, you know, so it's more of like an asynchronous type of thing, you know, posts and comments and likes and that, that style of thing. So there's that and there's the live events. Those are the the two main, main draws. That is very interesting. Interesting that that's exactly the last thing you were saying, because I kind of wanted to ask you about that particular part, because most communities like in the real world, as we have them are very synchronous, right? You you show up a community center is, is that right? You go to the place, something is happening, a meetup or an, an event where people contribute to something and then you leave and, and the community is kind of paused until it meets again. But right. in digital communities, that's different. You have the option to have a lot, a large synchronous part, like what you've been doing. And it kind of reminds me of a community center because people come to your community center in the virtual space. And then there's these different rooms they can go into and do different things. But something is there for whatever they need. That's really cool. And then you have the asynchronous part where I guess knowledge can be stored or made um applicable when you need it instead of having to be present for it. I'm saying this because I'm working through building a similar community centric um, thing with, with my, my friend, Tyler Tringas. We, we try to build something around calm SaaS companies right now, like businesses that slowly build like sustainable business models and that stuff. And we want to build a community based approach as well. And we've been thinking about this a lot. We have this little podcast where we talk about this every week. And just try to brainstorm a new thing in public into being because building a public obviously is the best thing you could possibly do. Right. <laughs> just, naturally. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The idea is that we, we want to get feedback from the community as much as we can before we start the community. And that is one of the things that a lot of people have been reaching out to me about. It's like, Hey guys, if you want to build a community, make sure that it is both synchronous when we need it, like uh, having the opportunity to talk to other people when we have this problem and asynchronous for you talked about this. You have a global community, people in New Zealand and people in the States try figuring out when like a good time is for them to meet, right? How are you dealing with that? Like the, the globalness of it all? Yeah. So that's a great question. And it's something that is an ongoing thing that I'm trying to, to tackle. Uh, because I have these these awesome ideas and plans on how exactly I'm going to fix that problem, but it's dependent on me having like a thousand members in the community, which I don't as of this exact moment. Because once you have a large enough community, then what happens is, is people, even at the small size that we are today, I've already had people raise their hands to basically volunteers like ambassadors, essentially. You know, they they love the mission of what we're doing so much. They're like, hey, how can I how can I help? Um, and so if you do that, I think what you can actually do is you can say, all right, well, here's a format that we've, we've designed for this. I'm going to host one of these at noon Eastern, but then this person's going to host it at 4 PM and this one's going to okay. host it at 7 PM. Well, that's good. If, if you can build the structure and then kind of have these, these ambassadors, these volunteers, you know, who, who want to moderate these meetings and you give them a little, it, it wouldn't take much, you know, to help, help kind of train them on, on what the format looks like. I feel like we could actually have a calendar full of events, you know, every, every day of the week, you might have three different time slots and different formats. And you can now just kind of opt into, to what, what suits your calendar, I think would be the best way to do it. 
That is a great solution. And it's in, in, in kind of an almost meta perspective, it's yet another entrepreneurial thing that nobody teaches you unless you have entrepreneurial peers. Like the idea that you can just kind of franchise out parts of your business just by designing them in a process-based structure, give that to other people and have them do an equally good job as you could. Because, you know, in, in any business, you tend to delegate eventually. And this is just another smart way of delegating business work in your community to somebody who's better at and better for that particular job. I love this. This, <laughs> this is already super helpful, right? Just to even talk about that kind of stuff among entrepreneurs, right? This community yeah. building right here. Love it. Yeah, that's like meta twice there. But <laughs> um, yeah, so, and to your point, like what I'm finding too is the members of the community have come to me with their ideas on what we can, we can put forth, uh, e even on the format. So take the accountability thing. I had a, a member come to me and say, Hey, I, I think we should start doing these weekly accountability meetings. I'm like, Oh, that's funny. You mentioned it. I was planning on doing one every month and I was going to build this whole system where we can like track each other's goals and, and do all this, you know, kind of cool stuff. And she's like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> And I just love the brutal, yeah. you know, straightforward <laughs> honesty. But she immediately, you know, tore it to shreds. And I'm appreciative of it because she was able to, like, help me see instantly, like, no, short, sweet bursts, you know, 30 minutes every week. Just get to the point and let's just kind of keep the needle moving. So not only did she help refine something I was already working on, but then she was one who raised her hand and was like, hey, I'll, I'll run one of these. So now we're doing two of them and we're taking two different time slots to help accommodate people. So even at a small size, we're able to do that. And then the other thing that's really cool, and it, it, it excites me to think what this could become long-term. I've had more than one member already come to me and say, Hey, you know, this could be more than just a community like this. One person is a, an attorney who is like, we could provide like legal coaching services as part of this. Or a financial advisor is like, I can help implement uh, Profit First. If you're familiar with that one, I, yep. I'm a big believer in that system. And we could actually help people with like the implementation of these fundamental things for their business. So it goes beyond just a, a community that's about support, but it's also about we'll give you the playbooks or we'll even help you with implementation on things. So it's like as this thing you know, kind of gets Frankenstein together, though, it's 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 exciting, you know, in a good way, because you're just seeing all these ways that we can help each other, uh, collaborate, joint ventures, you know, and, and partnerships and all these types of things. It's it's just uh, it's a lot of fun if you're into that kind of thing. I, I really love this. I think that reminds me very strongly of how like human settlements start to appear like somebody settles somewhere and then people need different jobs solved differently and people volunteer into those jobs either by having the skill already bringing it like through the the path of you know pioneering you know like they came with you they had their little wagon and they they came with you on the trail or they just learn the thing that needs to be done and then become the local expert at it that feels like this community that you're currently building is going from little village that just has a couple people living and farming there to a whole bigger like a, a town a city maybe even with specific people doing specific work but all for the benefit of the local community that is so so awesome to to see this happening so you just made me think of two things which is awesome i'm probably gonna hang on to this and reuse this a bunch but so you said you're almost 40 so we're we're uh we're close to the same age there were two video games 
that I played growing up. One was <laughs> Oregon Trail. Did you ever play Oregon yeah, Trail? I heard about that. I never played it, but everybody here in Canada talks about this game because okay. apparently it's the only game people ever play. Okay. Oregon Trail was like every grade school kid ever who grew up, you know, born in the 80s is going to is going to identify with this. But basically, you know, you're you're tasked with getting all the way to Oregon in the old Wild West and it's it's uh fraught with like risks and dangers and all these other things you know you can get you can get attacked by wild animals or you can get dysentery and die from it and all these other kind of things and i think that that's a great analogy for entrepreneurship when you're by yourself it's just riddled with dangers and risks right but on the flip side to your point about kind of the village the community concept that's more like sim city did you yeah. ever play sim city oh yeah sure yeah. Did. okay i got you on this one so <laughs> How cool is that, that you can start with, you know, didn't it start with like one little square or whatever? Yeah, you, you had like the little, the home, the house zone, the industrial zone and the, the business zone. And yeah. that was it, right? Yeah, exactly. And it starts with this small thing. And then over, over time, it just sprawls into this, this big thriving uh, village or town or community or whatever. And, and that's what I feel like entrepreneurship can be when you're part of a community you're, you're, it's not just this thing, this, this path that you're on your own. You don't know what dangers you're facing. It's like, no, you're part of this functioning thing where everybody's helping each other out, which is, which is really cool. So thank you for yeah. accepting that idea in my head. Well, That's awesome. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm also very grateful for you just bringing up SimCity because I'm now thinking about it. In many ways, entrepreneurship is just like architecting, ar ar being the architect of, um, a complex system of individual things that all need an expert in them eventually. Like when you start a little city on Sim City, you kind of figure out, oh yeah, I'm going to draw the power lines here and all of that kind of stuff. You have these details and you need to figure things out to understand each part of your city. But as you scale it, these things become more in independent units that have their own purpose. So I'm just thinking of my own video game experience and how much that actually influenced. I think I learned, and that's the thing, I learned more from Sim City about entrepreneurship than from my parents. That's what yeah. I'm kind of figuring out just now. And that is both sad and it's both awesome that the game, the video game can actually supply this. Now, in retrospect, that was super helpful. Yeah. That's see, cool. my parents always gave me a hard time for my addiction to video games. But now yeah. I'm a grown man and I can point <laughs> to this and be like, look, this was good for me. This was good for me. Well, it probably was, right? I think video games in particular as interactive problem solution scenarios, they do train you to just never give up. Like the amount of times that I played Lufia 2, the wonderful Super Nintendo um, role-playing game, and these puzzles in the game, they were so hard, but I would just sit there for four hours trying to figure it out and eventually did. And I knew, I knew that it was figure-outable because the game was designed to be hard, but not impossible. And I think most of entrepreneurship is really that. It's hard, but not impossible. And if right. it looks impossible and sounds and smells impossible, then maybe you just need to shift your perspective a little bit and look at a different angle, and then it becomes possible again. So again, video games, probably a solution to all our problems. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and legitimately, I think you make a good point. Like there, there are real lessons to be learned from that because... How many times did you, you know, throw your hands up and throw the controller on the ground out of frustration, right? It, it happens. But then on the flip side of that, how many times did you actually finally solve that puzzle or finally beat that boss or whatever? And yeah. you get to feel the immense satisfaction that comes from that. And it's like, that's what entrepreneurship does. It is, it is way more challenging than just having a day job. But man, at some point you stand and you look back on what 
what you've accomplished and what you've built and 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 not just in a monetary way but just the sense of pride and satisfaction that comes from building something that is truly yours and it's like that sim city it starts small and the next thing you know you look back and you've got this sprawling metropolis it's just it's so satisfying and i think that honestly i think video games in some ways can can train a person to understand that it takes that persistency uh, and and that grit to kind of keep going until you, you get to the other end. 100%. I think so. And one thing that I also remember, like among my friends, I really enjoyed like teaching them how to beat the level, right? Teaching them how to beat the boss and, and how to play something. So that's also something that comes to my mind now that I do a lot of this, like as, as a person in our community, I feel a lot of entrepreneurs through having to deal with all of this themselves and having to figure it out, they still have the sense of, I kind of want to contribute this back to people so they don't have it that hard. Do you feel that there's a, an, a stronger sense of volunteering in your community than uh, normally uh, is available to people? Yeah, I I think that this is just one of the core traits of of most decent human beings is like once you've once you've gone through something tough yourself, it it genuinely feels good to help someone else either avoid that pain entirely or just help them to appreciate like you'll you'll get on the other side of this thing, you know, and that that whole kind of pay it forward mentality, uh, it doesn't only apply to quote unquote successful entrepreneurs. You don't need to have been someone who's, who built a business and sold it for eight figures or something before you qualify to give advice to someone else. I mean, it, I've got a couple people who've reached out to me who are in that category and they're like, man, I love what you're doing. I, I'd like to, you know, kind of be like a mentor in this community. That's awesome. I'm all for it. But the reality is, is for the rest of us that are still kind of boots on the ground, you know, just grinding this out, doing it one day at a time. There are small wins every single day. All these little things that you pick up here and there that I was able to do this quicker, or I was able to charge a little bit more for this, or I'd use this tool and it saved me some time. And sharing those wins is is super valuable to other people. And then it also brings you a measure of fulfillment to know that you've helped somebody else. And you just being able to foster that is it's really cool to see. Do you leverage that in your community? Do you encourage people to share all these little things? I have a dedicated space called Share Your Wins. Oh, that's um, nice. And it's in there. It, there's actually a little um, kind of guideline up, up at the top that says, share your wins for two reasons. Number one is it's it spreads some positivity, right? And it's always nice for us to hear. And we're going to celebrate along with you. But more importantly, share what steps you took mm -hmm. that led up to that win. Yeah. Right. Because now we all have something that we can we can learn from and maybe put into use. And so it doesn't even have to be something big. Right. There's like I said, small wins every day, little bits here and there. And now now that just kind of helps all of us, you know, pick up little pieces as we go. How do you deal with the, the small losses, the little things that don't work? How do you encourage people or do you encourage people to talk about this? And, and if so, how? So I have another space called Share Your Learns. Oh. And. We don't call it share your losses. That's right. We call it share your learns. That's interesting. So, you know, I uh, personally started the very first uh, post inside that space where when I completed my first year in business, uh, I got a surprise tax bill that I wasn't expecting. It was $14,000 and I had exactly $0 set aside for taxes and it just like was a big deal, right? Because I had to, I went into debt to 
cover this and put me in the hole and, and all this other kind of stuff. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from it all these years later. So that space isn't to just share a story like a sob story, you know, boohoo, woe is me, you know, please feel sorry for me. But it's more importantly, what did you learn from that experience and how would you do it over again if given the opportunity? And now there's that pitfall. There's that that thing that if you come from a, a family business, you know, that's been built and it's been handed to you, your family is going to have already avoided these pitfalls and they're going to educate you on what to look out for and how not to make costly mistakes. But if you're the first in your family to do this, you're going to walk right into it because you just didn't see it coming. You, how could you? You've never done this before, right? So sharing your learns, that's another, you know, super valuable thing that is just like, here's the things to look out for, what to avoid, the mistake I made. I paid the price, but I'm sharing it so that you don't have to. That's a good way to rephrase it, right? A, a loss is only a loss when you don't learn from it. So just rephrasing it into learns immediately makes it useful. That's awesome. I think I'm I'm taking this away from, from that little part of a conversation. It's just like to look at wins and losses as both like celebratable, <laughs> celebratory right. uh, situations. That That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. A loss is only a loss if you don't learn from it. So yeah, well put. Well, let's, let's look at potential wins in the future. I kind of want to know where you want to take this community. Like what's your, your long-term vision for this? Or if you, if you even have one, because it might just be a community of practice and you see where it goes. But I do wonder like where, where do you want to see, or what do you want to see first gen entrepreneurs in like five years from now? Yeah, that's a fantastic question that I, you know, honestly, I, I'm partially embarrassed to admit this and partially proud to admit this, but like I'm thinking about this community 24 <laughs> seven. Like when my head hits the pillow at night, I'm thinking about what I can, what I can do to make it better and where it's headed. And then when I wake up in the morning, it's clear I've been processing it during my sleep. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's a really good question that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around like what this could be, because I, come from an IT background, right? So at my previous company, we were fixing people's computers. We were fixing their printers. That's not the most like fulfilling thing in the world, if I'm being honest with you, right? Um, nobody calls you up to say, hey, I just wanted to say things are running great. And <laughs> I love what you guys do. Yeah, like right. there was, it was a pretty thankless job. So now with this, it's like the complete other end of the spectrum where it is so fulfilling to think about the fact that you can make a meaningful impact on someone's entrepreneurial journey and not to get like too philosophical about it, but like entrepreneurship to me, you know, I come from a, a middle-class blue collar Midwest upbringing. And with that came some limiting, limiting beliefs. You know, what I, what I thought was, uh, good money when I came out of college, uh, you know, what, what it means to be wealthy terms, like building equity for yourself, like this, none of that, that was all foreign to me, basically, right? And now uh, that I've kind of gone through this whole process of starting a business as a one man show, growing it over a 15 year period, uh, and then ultimately selling it, and, and rubbing shoulders with all these other people who who do this all the time. It's like, I think entrepreneurship is 
a, a very valuable thing that can take you from a lower class to a middle class or a middle class to an upper class or take whatever you define success as and help you get there. It's a vehicle to help you to get there. So whether that's freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of choice as to who you want to work with and what you want to do for a living. Like once you get a taste of these freedoms, you never, you never want to go back. Right. So to me, it like brings an immense amount of, you know, purpose and satisfaction to know that like this uh, community or zooming out a little bit, this organization can be something that helps people to achieve their, their definition of success. And so the idea of being able to help say a thousand people, you know, having a meaningful impact on their lives is like super fulfilling. So that's like my, my big, hairy, audacious goal as they say. That's awesome. Yeah. Now the how, you know, what, what that actually looks like is, is still, like I said, building the airplane while flying the airplane. So I think it's going to be a, a combination of obviously supporting people so that they're not doing it alone is, is probably always going to be the, the baseline, you know, kind of thing. But then to what extent can we uh, not just give them support, but actually help them with the implementation of systems that really set them up for success, I think is, is what I'm still kind of charting out. But that's the part that excites me. I bet. That's also like that that feels like it's both a community building and a business building thing at the same time, right? Yes. So yes. it has these these two connotations there. I do wonder about the business part of this because obviously it's a it's a community of empowerment, which is awesome. I love that about it because it talks uh it talks my language, right? That's kind of what it is. But it's also a business and that has to be sustainable. So I I do want to know if you can divulge it, obviously. Like how do you approach this to to be a sustainable and growing, potentially growing, or hopefully very much potentially growing business. Like what's your business approach to this community? Yeah. So that's an interesting one too, because I kind of have these opposing um, forces happening right now. So on the one hand, I, I belonged to a, um, like a CEO roundtable kind of thing. I, I won't name it by name because I I don't know if I'm going to get myself in trouble at some point because I'm I'm going to badmouth it a little bit here. So <laughs> this unnamed executive roundtable thing that I belonged to uh, for a couple of years around 2017, 2018, and it was $1,500 a month to belong to this thing. So $18,000 a year. And they really leaned into this kind of exclusivity thing, Right. So the idea basically is that if you can afford to be in a room full of guys who can afford to be in that room, (laughs) uh, that they are all doing something right, right? Um, These are all quote unquote successful business owners. And so through osmosis, through the connections that you're going to get, you might wind up doing business with each other. It'll pay for itself. And the truth is it works like it does actually work that way. But they are leaning into this whole kind of exclusive thing. And to me, that's a, that's like a boys club. Like it really goes against the grain of kind of who, who I am. I'm trying to swing the other way. I'm trying to be inclusive. I'm trying to help the underdog here. I'm not looking to take already successful people and just help them become even wealthier. I'm trying to take the people who are just trying to provide a comfortable lifestyle for their own family, trying to build something for themselves uh, and help them out. Right. So my business model is very different. Like uh, at this point in time, it's $75 a month to belong to this community. Oh, wow. 
And so it's very accessible, right? Mm -hmm. Like anybody who is an entrepreneur who's, who's actually like gotten started, you should have 75 bucks. And it, and if you don't, that's kind of a whole different, you know, I'm not in a position to help you uh, at that point, but for people who are established, that's accessible. And I want to keep it accessible long-term, but then to your point, there becomes like the business model for this. Like, how's that going to work? Because um, you really need a lot of num a lot of people at that price point before this becomes something that that you can make long term, you know, sustainability. So I would like to always have that accessible entry point that makes valuable, useful, tactical, tangible resources available to first gen entrepreneurs. I always want that to be there. But then I think what will happen is, is as the community grows and then as members start to mature in their own businesses, then we can start to offer additional services to help them with implementation of, of systems and processes or with, you know, kind of those, a miniature version of that where it is like a CEO roundtable type of thing, but it's still a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time commitment with none of the the highbrow exclusivity kind of vibe because that's just not not my people. <laughs> um and then if you recall at the beginning I said how much I enjoyed business coaching and think that it's awesome and everybody should do it. I'm just trying to build a bridge to get people to the point where they can afford that business coach, right? So that's that space that I'm trying to to fill and it's it's always evolving and adapting and so what it is today is maybe not what it's going to be tomorrow but that's kind of my overall vision is to, to help people overcome the odds of failure which we both know is statistically way too high uh to not only survive but then start to thrive and get to the point where they can they can get where they want to go. That's I think what's what becomes very clear when you explain it like this, like the whole community's purpose is to get people from the point where they start at to the point where they can kind of graduate from the community, which yeah. is something interesting because most communities are trying to be like this all encompassing thing that just grabs you and holds you on forever. Doesn't right. sound necessarily like that with yours. Like was, is it f intentional that it's kind of this tr transitionary thing that you're building or do you still want to build like a, a long-term place for people to be, but just just get them to the point and then stick around. What, what do you think about that? I think that um, it's, it is intentional to do it that way because what I have in common with all of my members is we're all first gen entrepreneurs, but we all come from different backgrounds and industries. And that's on purpose. Cause now, you know, you can see one problem getting attacked 12 different ways, which is really cool. Right. But then when you start to get up to this point, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell a trademark attorney how to handle trademarks, right? Or I'm not going to be able to tell a financial advisor how to how to build their business. I actually advocate for belonging to two communities, you know, mine as kind of your general entrepreneurial support community, and then another one that's really niche and specific to your industry, where you're going to have very different conversations there. So I think there's space for both. But yes, if someone graduates from this community because they've reached this point of success, man, I am just, I'm in your corner. I'm, that's right. I'm celebrating that for you, right? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. You, you've, you beat the odds. You're enjoying entrepreneurship. It's had a meaningful impact on your life. And I think that's awesome. That's like my mission. Um, I think what will happen is that if people get to that point, 
by that point, 75 bucks or whatever it is, is like no big deal. And they're probably <laughs> going to stick around just yeah. purely out of loyalty and wanting to pay it forward and, and help other people. And if they opt in to do that, then that's, that's great. Those are the kind of people I want around, but it's not some design where I want to just get my, get my hooks into you and keep you around forever. That's, that's nice to know. It does remind me of when we built Feedback Panda, we had a couple of conversations with customers who canceled the product because they found an actual full-time teaching job because they now had the time to actually, but like using our product, they had the time to file um, or just like send out their, their CVs to companies and stuff. So we enabled them to find a better job that made using our product not necessary anymore. This is the happiest kind of churn that I've ever seen in my life is people right. graduating beyond needing the product. So this sounds like you're, you have a different, uh, a similar mindset here just to, if, if that, that is the success story, right? The success story is, being at a point where you don't need the community anymore, at least not in a, in a sense that it's like necessary to your survival. You still need it for different things. It's kind of the, the, the pyramid, right? The, um, you know, the, you, you know, which pyramid I'm referring to kind of escaping my mind right now, but <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's, that's just called being a good person. Yes. Again, that is right. something that not everybody in business has. Like for some reason, people have been trained and it kind of harkens back to what we initially talked about, like the default stories that we tell each other. Like I have heard so many stories about cutthroat competition and about like never sharing your story with anybody. Again, coming from a family where people protected what they had because they needed to, to have control over the little things that they had control over. Right. They had no expansive abundance mindset. That just didn't work for them. But in our world now, in the digital economy, or even just our economy that we're in, an abundance mindset is extremely helpful. Like sharing your knowledge, sharing your story, getting people involved, getting their buy-in, and then having them help you help them. Like that is that is a kind of a, a never-ending cycle of growth that people who don't have that experience would never think about. It's a, a concept that is just unimaginable to them. So yeah. it's nice to have people in a community and it's nice that you are building this community for people. I'm really, really happy to, to hear of this, to know that this is a concept because I am a first gen entrepreneur, but I've, <laughs> right. But I've <laughs> never expressly seen myself as one. It's nice to know that the concept exists and now I have a phrase to describe it to people. That is, that is really cool. Yeah. And I think with this, um, where where can people find this community? Where can people find more about you? Because I think you're such a wonderful bridge into the community that is the bridge to their their future capacity of of paying somebody to help them in their business as a coach. Like, where can people go to find you? All right, so I'm going to be very careful this time. I was on a podcast a few weeks ago that has a pretty sizable following, and he asked me that question, <laughs> and I completely bungled it. I was just like, oh, just. Just uh, get in touch with me on LinkedIn. And then I realized after the fact, I'm like, that was the lamest call to action of all time, <laughs> right? And I'm, I, I'm still beating myself up over it. So here's what I'm going to do. My website or the website for the first gen entrepreneurs community is firstgen.biz. And that's the number one, S-T-G-E-N dot biz. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that because that is a living, breathing website that's going to change over time. And, you know, how we how we position the community and all that's going to change. But if you just come away with that one thing, uh, then we're going to continue to make more resources available with time, whether it's courses and newsletters and community and all these, you know, kind of cool things that we're building. 
that's a that's a good uh, call to action. I think uh, you didn't watch this one. This this one is perfect, and it's it's also a great domain. That is a that is a spectacular short and extremely clear domain name for a project like this. And I'll be honest, I I I don't know. I just kind of stumbled on the term first gen entrepreneur, and then people immediately started latching onto it. And then I stumbled on like that domain name was available. And it just really feels like I fell backwards into this thing, but but I love it. I love the brand. I love how it's self-explanatory, and I love how it connects with people. They instantly go, "That's me," and we both know how we how we feel about our journeys just just by a name. So I'm I'm thrilled to to have it. Yeah, and I'm I'm thrilled to have had you on the show because th- thank you just so much for explaining all these things and and letting me dive into your community and learning from you about building community, learning from you about being an entrepreneur and fostering community. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you very much. And let me just toss it right back at you. Like the bootstrapped founder, you've got the same thing going there mm-hmm. where like the instant I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's me, you know, and you know what that, you know what that entails, you know, the emotions that come with it. Uh, and you know that when you, you go to your website or you listen to your podcast, you're going to get real meat on the bone in terms of the kind of content. It's, this isn't fluff. This isn't frou-frou stuff. It's like, I want to help the bootstrappers, the underdogs, the people that are doing this the hard way uh, to succeed. And so I think, I think we're, we're both alike. It's why we're hitting it off so well, but thank you so much for having me on the show. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for that too. I'm, I'm glad that that resonates with you just as much. I should start a community probably, right? What do you think? Huh? It's a good idea. I'm here to All help. Right. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give it a go. <laughs> Thanks right. so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Bootstrap Founder. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my books and my Twitter course there as well. If you want to support me and the show, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, get the podcast in your player of choice, and please, please, please leave a rating and a review, a good rating and a good review if you can, by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It really makes a difference. Any of these things will help the show in the end. Thank you so much for listening today and have a great day. Bye-bye.